Welcome to Conversations in Tourism, where we put thought leaders, industry professionals, academics and futurists on the spot to explore the diversity of issues that are impacting and informing the evolution of the travel and tourism industries. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Conversations in Tourism. I'm Lauren and today I am joined by Katharina Stechel, Program Manager at the Multi-Stakeholder Initiative Roundtable Human Rights in Tourism. Katharina, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. It's a, it's a great pleasure to be here and to have a platform to talk about this very important issue. Right. And, and that's where we're going to start this massive issue um, of human rights and human rights, particularly in tourism. I want to tell a little bit about um, the roundtable. You guys are, you know, an open network. You support tourism businesses um, in terms of respecting human rights in tourism across the value chain, business to business, as I understand. You're supported um, or your work is supported by the UN guiding principles on business and human rights. You want to prevent address and even go as far as to say you you guys are looking to remedy human rights abuses which are committed along the business value chain. Um, I think it's great for our listeners though to hear it directly from you. If you could in a few sentences sum up what the roundtable human rights and tourism does on a day-to-day -day basis, where are your key points of focus? Yeah. So First of all, I think it's very important to understand that risks for human rights violation in tourism occur in connection with local tourism development and during tourism operations. And as you already mentioned, the UN guiding principles on business and human rights from 2011 serve as a global guideline. And the baseline expectations of all businesses, regardless of their size, of their sector and so on, is that they prevent harms occurring to people. So they put the largely neglected social pillar of sustainability in tourism on a solid and internationally recognized foundation and described the expectation towards travel companies. Mm. So the situation was that there was a need to define what corporate social responsibility to respect human rights actually looks like. And there was a need to, for exchange and for development of, of sector specific instruments. And that's when the round table um, was founded in 2012 as a non-competitive platform for exchange and for joint activities. And today um, we are, as you mentioned, a multi-stakeholder initiative and non-profit association and the largest sector dialogue on human rights and tourism. We have currently 33 members from six countries and from five different interest groups. So we have travel associations, we have two operators, multipliers, such as institutions, universities, and so on, mm -hmm. civil societies and certifiers. And we see as this, as this open dialogue platform that go, goes beyond um, competition for exchange of know-how and mutual learning within the industry. And we provide information, we give guidance materials and examples of good practice. So um, we are a trustworthy network of tourism stakeholders and aim to support the industry in a very demand-oriented way so that the resumption of travel is positive and sustainable for all stakeholders and that through a human rights-based approach. 
I think, yeah, thank you for that. I, I think that's a fantastic link for everyone out there who hasn't necessarily spent the time thinking about human rights as a major issue and that link to the sustainable development of tourism. I think, the, of course, nowadays, there's a lot about health and the pandemic situation. There's a huge amount on climate change and the environmental, but that entire social pill, it's not just about economic development and tourism spend and benefit. Our own podcast has talked a lot about those issues as well. And that's why I'm so excited to have you with us because at the end of the day, that social pillar is part of the sustainability for the future of our tourism and travel industry and for the benefit and representing the potential that that benefit has across the world, I think is something that's very exciting because there's a lot of opportunity there, but you used two very big words beginning with R, risk across the, the value chain, across you know the supply chain of tourism and travel, and respect, you know, and I would probably add responsibility to that as well. So immediately when you were starting to talk about what um, the Roundtable Human Rights and Tourism is doing, those three R's are running around in my, in my brain like crazy. And I know that you guys have, you know, this multi-stakeholder approach. So you, you've got the state and you've got the business um, and, and you've got obviously the individuals, the two operators and, and everyone in, involved in this. Um, but I think if I remember correctly from a presentation I had a look at online, respect is in the middle there with the business. Is that right? Yeah, if you just sum it up by one word, that's what it's all about, right? Because the people dimension is what brings all together. That as soon as we respect the local population, I think what we very often forget in tourism is that we actually sell something that doesn't belong to us. We oh, sell wow. destinations, That's... we wow. sell beaches, <laughs> and that is stuff that actually doesn't belong to us. So, And normally, if you, for example, um, rent something from somebody, you take extra care of it, right? Yeah. And that should be our approach with tourism as well to see that we sell people's culture, that we sell people's countries. Um, and of course, even if we have the best intentions, it's still not ours. Wow. So I'm saying wow respect. so many times because, you know, I'll, I'll be very honest with you. I've never thought about it like that. Mm. And I think that that is a very, very powerful statement. And so I'm going to repeat it for everyone listening. The resources we sell in tourism do not belong to us. And so we have issues of risk of abuse. We have the issue of respect and understanding for that and taking responsibility for those resources. And I think the last pillar, which I didn't mention just now, is we need to remedy the things that are not going well, mm -hmm. right? And recognize that as a problem of which human rights is then a fundamental, a fundamental issue. Yeah, and actually that is what the UN guiding principles and on business and human rights are all about. We have these three pillars. We have the state duty to protect. We have the corporate responsibility to respect and remedy. So victims must have access to effective remedy. And of course, on that second pillar, hold respect, is where companies have the biggest influence. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for everyone out there, I think this is a very obvious statement that, that tourism, service provision, it's all about people. We are nothing without people. And we also see that there is a skill shortage and a crisis on many levels. So there are a huge number um, of issues surrounding people. And therefore, that has to be logically, automatically a fundamental pillar of the sustainability of our industry. But nonetheless, we are also aware, and, and your work 
demonstrates that and, and the work that you're, you're doing and, and the conversations that you're opening up, um, that human rights infringements do take place all the time, you know, and many, many people are put at risk, sometimes willingly, sometimes knowingly, sometimes unwillingly, unknowingly, um, through tourism practices. And I, I don't know what you as an organization, you as a person see as the biggest challenges that you guys face in, in growing your, your multi-stakeholder initiative, this network um, across tourism industries. What are, what are the things that you guys are really struggling with? Well, what looks like a simple question is actually yeah. very complex in its answer. <laughs> so I would like to divide the question of challenges into several categories. So um, first, we have awareness creation. So tourism itself has a very positive image in general, and there is little public awareness of human rights violations. Yeah. And what you already mentioned is when people talk about the big buzzwords of sustainability and sustainable or responsible travel, they often only see the people side of the coin or only that side is highlighted and not the people perspective. So for a lot of people, sustainability equals plastic reduction and CO2 compensation. <laughs> what, we hear, what we hear very often is what do human rights have to do with me? Yeah. Awareness is slowly rising, and but still many people, also tourism stakeholders, think that human rights issues are only a challenge in, let's say, faraway countries. Yeah. Countries of the global south. Elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, correct. Exactly. Elsewhere, countries of the exactly. global south. Correct. Not on not on my uh not in my backyard. Doorstep. I think. Yeah, yeah correct. Exactly. not on my doorstep. <laughs> So from a tour operator perspective, they might often say, what do human rights have to do with me? I pay my employees a fair wage and I only offer trips to Spain. <laughs> and from a customer perspective, <clears throat> travel is our time of the year where we want to be away from daily life, where we want to be away from our problems, where we want to relax, where we don't want to feel guilty and where we also maybe put all the standards that we have in our daily life, like saying, I by um, fair products, I am trying to be responsible. That is put a little bit on the side. Hmm. So that is one of the major challenges. And the second one is I would say in the value chain management. So voluntary guidelines for corporate social responsibility focus, as we already mentioned, mainly on that hmm. environmental issue and labor rights. And it's a little regulated economic sector, right? Yeah. We have weak legislations, there is almost no enforcement, no protection. Um, and also that is, of course, slowly changing with new due diligence legislations, what everybody is already talking about at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. But in tourism, we have a very complex supply chain. And I know that probably every sector is saying that about its own <laughs> supply chain. But tourism? But, yeah, it, the special aspect of tourism is that people are traveling to the product mm -hmm. and not the other way around. So even if you are a one-person tour operator, you can offer trips all over the world and you can have hundreds of stakeholders included in your business. And as you also mentioned, it's a people's business where everything depends on service providers and they are crucial yeah. for a su successful product. So we have high risks of overtime, of seasonal contracts without any social security, mm -hmm. discrimination, and so on and so on. So it affects, tourism is an industry that 
affects many human rights and it affects many people and therefore yeah. rights holders and their rights. Yeah. So I know a very long answer to your question. It's it, it, you cannot um, put down to like just a single challenge. It, it's it's very um, multidimensional. Oh, that's the best answer you can probably give because I think that is also part of part of the point here rather than a sort of a question and an answer this is exactly why we need to have this conversation right because mm. it is so multi-dimensional there are many different layers to this it goes across an incredibly complex supply chain um the way in which value is added is through people but those people also become you know inherently then as part of that service provision I'll put at risk. And I think that that's really where you guys um, are focusing is at that risk at the business level in, in the value chain. And you did send me that fascinating um, report that you, you guys were looking very much at, um, you know, value chain focused human rights impact assessment. Now that sounds like a lot, right? So you're looking at this human rights impact assessment across the value chain. Maybe I think a lot of people wouldn't understand that necessarily in, in the first, you know, looking at it at first. Can you explain that a little bit more? Maybe pick out some of the key learnings or, or why that approach is so valuable? Sure. I mean, whenever we have a problem and we want to tackle that problem, I think the first step is to realize that you are actually having a problem, right? So you, yeah. you need to know where to go, what to tackle. And so a human rights impact assessment, what, what we had here, helps tourism companies to realize their responsibilities to respect human mm -hmm. rights and enhance their understanding of how their activities and operations affect human rights of, of various stakeholders and helps to mitigate and to manage these risks. Yeah. And as you said, in September 2019, the roundtable conducted two um, exemplary value chain focused human rights impact assessments in Thailand and in Myanmar. And we, we were applying this multi-stakeholder approach and developed an action plan for, for follow-up measures mm -hmm. um, from the perspective of European tour operators. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge project. Yeah. We, we had a desk and online research conducted in, in, in preparation for the assessment. We had bilateral conversations with various stakeholders. And in Thailand, the team interviewed 44 workers and met 67 managers in tourism businesses, 37 community representatives. Mm. So a lot of people like in total, 418 stakeholders were consulted for, mm -hmm. for that assessment. Mm -hmm. And we, we tried to figure out like the, the key focus areas, more or less. Mm -hmm. and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I probably, if, if people listening to that podcast, they might think, how? How should we as a small tool operator <laughs> deal with that issue? Yeah. And of course, that is not possible. And but again, that is why the roundtable is here. And that is why we're here to support you, because that's where you need to join forces, where you need to generate synergies and to work together for, for the greater good. So hashtag better together for, for mm, human rights exactly. in tourism as well. Right. That sharing of resources. Well, I think that's inherently that multi-stakeholder approach 
um, an initiative that's needed in any of these cases. And I'm going to come back to your point, because I think that is exactly the problem with so many of these things, because it's such a complex environment. People like to put their boundaries on their box. I'm a tour operator offering this kind of a tour only to Spain and therefore, you know, it doesn't have much to do with me. And I think that that's probably one of the most important things because in such a global value chain and global network and industry, we're all affected at the end of the day by everything, Uh, you know, and I'm coming back to the issue of resources that we're selling that don't belong to us. So we're all responsible Mm. for that as tourists are responsible for consuming it as people in industry, as practitioners, as, you know, tour operators, industry professionals, we're responsible for delivering that. So there's a supply and a demand issue, but let's go deeper into the business uh, or into the issue um, of what businesses themselves can actively do to increase um, their own awareness of human rights and the risks. And of course, in the second step, or it's a second question actually, is to actively address those risks. And I think you guys do a lot of work in, in that arena. Exactly. I mean, I know that this whole area of business and human rights might seem as a deteriorant. And we face that very often when we when we talk to tourism stakeholders, mm-hmm. that they think like another thing, another thing to take care of. Yeah. And especially if you start start to read about human rights, everything seems to be very technical and not very approachable. So I would say as a first understanding it's put a focus on risks to people when you try to 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 implement um, a human rights due diligence yeah so put a put a focus on risks to people not to business identify where your business activities could impact negatively on people yeah so from from a different perspective is what you're saying right so so flip it around and look at it not Mm -hmm. from the classic management perspective but the social side of the business operations, if I interpret that. Yeah, yeah, because that's what's often neglected. Whenever we also talk about all the environmental issues, a lot of that is covered when we respect human rights, because human rights already give a platform for saying there is a right to have a decent life, there is a right to clean water, to um, clean environment. So when we tackle people's issues or human rights issues we automatically also tackle environmental issues I think that's a very important point thank you for making that because I think a lot of people don't see that um the fact that there is a big connection there that by doing this and it seems like a scary you know not comfortable topic for many people saying, look, there are infringements and and turning a blind eye actually contributes to the problem. And in fact, if you openly embrace that problem as something that's also positive for your business operations perspective, you're addressing other issues as well. I think it's it's, it's relatable to the example of accessibility in tourism and, you know, design for people who are disabled. Designing for accessibility, in fact, has been proven to make the experience of a building of a place of an a, you know of an event better for everybody not just for someone as an example sitting in a wheelchair right and so i think we have something similar here that you're saying that if we bring the issue of human rights into the focus and put people as that we we know they're the center of our business but mm. we're still tackling this from a sort of old school management perspective and if we flip that on its head and say, guys, let's talk about people in our business operations, you're basically saying we solve a number of those complexities 
almost inherently, right? Yeah, definitely. I think that's what a lot of companies are neglecting. There is a business case for respecting human rights. Yeah. It's not, we should not see it as costs. We should see it as an investment. And that's what it is. Nice because idea. let me let me give you, the, we're getting a little off topic, but just let me give me a quick example here. So imagine that you're offering um, a round trip and within this round trip, there is a bus trip included. So let's imagine you have a bus driver and this bus driver gets a minimum wage or even below that. So he probably has to work two or three jobs in order to have enough money for his family or her family. Mm -hmm. And so we have a massive risk of overtime. We have a massive risk of um, an effect on the dignity of life, on child labor, um, if that person has not enough money to already support the family. And so we have a driver there sitting in the bus and he's probably behind the wheel for 18 hours straight because that's his only way of um, providing for his family. Mm -hmm. In that moment, you're not only reducing the quality of your product, you're putting your customers at risk. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's not only about doing something good. It's mm. what makes sense to do. Yeah. Yeah, so human rights have to be at the core of every business activity just because it makes sense to do it. Yeah, and that there's a business case there, there for it. I think a lot of people will probably raise their eyebrows at that. And I think mm -hmm. that... Um, you guys can can prove that. I mean, you have this getting started or get started tool on your website. We will be linking through to that um, at the at the bottom of the podcast for everyone who's listening. Um, and and you can get started. Every business can go or hop onto your website and and can get started with that, right? Yeah. Let me quickly ex explain why we have the tool. It's to facilitate access to sector-specific information on human rights issues for tool operators. So we provide support to tool operators for the identification and prioritization of risk areas within their own business. Yeah. And the tool only makes existing information and tools accessible. It's, it doesn't create a new database. Yeah. It's, it's really meant to be a first step to assess potential risks and to take action. Yeah. Um, and the toolkit is addressed mainly at small and medium-sized tool operators and tourism companies. Mm -hmm. And the focus is clearly on organizations who have not yet developed comprehensive human rights due diligence strategies. Mm -hmm. So as the name states, the toolkit shall help them to get started. But I think it's a valuable resource for every tourism stakeholder just to get an idea, to have it visualized yeah. and um, to have like a little guideline through the various steps. Yeah, well, well, certainly for me, for example, as soon as we started to enter into our conversation and, and you know, to get you here um, on conversations in tourism, I also jumped on there and had a look. And a lot of the things were eye opening that I don't think of I myself. I'm, I've been in tourism for many years, but I'm not a tour operator. I'm not necessarily mm -hmm. coming from things from a classic business perspective. So I think that everyone will definitely benefit from having a look at that. It's not only, as you say, it's, it's an issue that's very broad and that uh, um, affects many, many different levels. So I think that is an amazing resource for everyone out there. And I think, as you say, 
it, I think it's the, the first bridge because one of the issues that we always have is that taking action. So there are a lot of, in, in any, not, not just in human rights, but in anything with the environmental, how can I be more sustainable, my carbon footprint, I can calculate many things, I can do impact assessments on many things. The real question and the driving question is, so what? What does that change, right? Um, yeah. So what would your advice be to someone who maybe has a tour, tour operator business or has an interest in this and, and sees the risk and has looked at this Get Started tool and are a bit stuck with implementation? What's the next step? How do they move forward? Do they get in touch with you guys? Do they join a network? What, what happens then? We, I mean... Um, all of our resources are freely available on our website. I think that's important to mention. So it's just not for, for, not for all members only. So you can just go to our website and you can access all the tools, all the resources that we have there freely, because that is uh, part of what we do, right? As I said, yeah. we want to be this open dialogue platform. So we don't have this member exclusive stamp. So whenever you facing any issues with human rights and tourism we're there for you you can just write us an email depending on the issue we'll just figure out a way to do it we work in a very as i mentioned before in a very demand oriented way so when people come to us with a specific issue um we'll see what we can do sometimes it's 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 just i don't know a, a quick hint um sometimes it might imply bring different stakeholders together for a joint statement, for a joint letter to, I don't know, a ministry or whatever. Um, we're, we're just the platform for, for joining forces, I would say. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, that's a resource in itself, right? So it was yeah. the key message is, is to say, if you use this Get Started tool and you see the risk and you're feeling a bit stuck, don't hesitate, get in touch because that's what that better together that network that um, multi-stakeholder initiative is actually for um exactly and you guys held recently also your your annual symposium um mm -hmm. the round table and and each year and you you pick sort of a topic can you tell us a little bit about um what the focus was this year i mean obviously 2020 was an incredibly turbulent year 2021 is a little bit sort of uh, bumpy roads as well. And, and everyone is looking to the future with a lot of, of hope and enthusiasm. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about what your perspective is on, you know, the current status and, and moving into the future. I mean, just for that statement, I mean, we know how difficult the situation was for the whole industry through the last one and a half years. Yeah. We were talking, we were in very close contact with our members and um, all of them were of course struggling. And a lot of them were down to short-term short work, um, having cut all bookings. It was an incredibly difficult year for, for the whole industry. But I think it made our work even more important. It yeah. gave, there were even more reasons why there needs to be around table human rights and tourism because what the whole COVID crisis has shown that it that human rights are at risk much more than before that the situation for stakeholders in destinations have worsened a lot hmm. um, that's what we were tackling a little bit during last year's symposium but we also figured out that for some businesses, it's a chance to 
rethink, to restart what we've heard very often in tourism, right? <laughs> this, yeah. uh, this whole restart idea. <laughs> yeah. But it was truly a time where when nothing was going on booking wise, a lot of companies sat down and said, okay, how do we restart this? Hmm. Can we go back to business as usual? And the answer is clearly we can't. Definitely not. <laughs> so with this year's symposium, we chose the title From Obligation to Exploration, Supply Chain Laws and the Business Case of Putting People First. Because as you might know, since this year in Germany, we have the so-called Supply Chain Due Diligence Act, mm -hmm. which for not the first time, but at least for the first time in Germany, will force companies by law Yeah. to um, to follow all these regulations that we actually already have since since the UN guiding principles. That were just so, not enforced, right? So you're exactly. saying that all these things were in place, but now there's yeah. a law at the national level, at least in Germany, to enforce all of that. Okay, exactly. well, yeah, all right. So national supply chain laws and the discussion about regulations at EU level are leading to, or we're leading to a lot of uncertainty among companies. Um, about the obligations and what they will have to face. Of course. So the symposium was about turning that case forward and to build the business case for human rights. What we just said before, so that it actually, the point that we wanted to make was it doesn't matter if there is a law or not because it makes sense to respect human rights anyhow. That was going to be my next question is how, how do you as a person, as an organization, feel about that. Those are different levels. But because exactly my answer to that is, well, what a pity that we always need this stringent enforcement before anyone does anything. So I think that that's a very important approach to reiterate and say, like with sustainability and with anything else, let's demonstrate practically the business case for doing things in a more socially sustainable mm -hmm. way that, you know, recognizes human risk, that pays attention to human rights, and that sees it actually not as a scary black hole of legislation, yeah. you know, in yeah. which I'm going to be thrown because it's irrelevant if it's this year or next year, the, the year after that. It's the fact that doing it this way, comes back to your point earlier, is going to improve my business overall anyway. So the sooner yeah. you get going with that, um, the better foundation you are building for your own business sustainable future, you know, exactly. going forward, going forward, right. Exactly. And I think that's a crazy idea. I mean, we, we, one of the speakers that, it, that we had during the symposium was Doug Lansky, who is a quite famous um, speaker, keynote speaker on, on tourism conferences. And he said to us, he's been doing this for, I think, 20 years plus, And he was never approached with this topic. Wow. And that, that shows mind how immense that issue is. And mind-blowing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And he, it was really interesting to develop the whole concept of that speech with him. And he came up with this example saying when the first traffic light was installed, that was like a self-regulating measurement And how crazy is that idea of saying we have to stop traffic in order to make it faster and to make it more fluent? Yeah. And I think that's exactly the idea. We Self-regulation can bring positive benefits, but it's not enough. Yeah. We, we cannot only focus on voluntary measurements. 
Yeah, and that's need... the protection of the state as well that is yeah. in those guiding principles, as you said, anyway, yeah. right? In yeah. order to to have something um, that that you can fall back on, actually, you know, yeah. so to to put things in place, and that that's a, a a debate and a conversation that happens across the board. I think this self regulation versus legislation, etc. But yeah. regardless of how you feel about it, whether it's, so, you know, my automatic reaction is kind of what a pity that it's all mm-hmm. becomes about the legislation. But then on the other hand, well, at least that could be the shift that changes things. Um, and can be a catalyst you know this point of of bringing those people together and saying well guys you have a problem and yes we're going to help you with the legislation but hey did you know you can actually look at this in a different way and Mm. maybe that is something powerful as well Um, I'm sure that's something you guys are are already leveraging but for me that that was really eye-opening yeah yeah yeah. that's again saying there is a business case yeah it's not just because of it's good it's just because it makes good sense Correct. It makes good businesses. I think that's a that's a fantastic um, a fantastic place probably to to round off this conversation. I think it's um, an amazing initiative that you guys have running. I encourage everyone, please, to have a look at it. And if you do nothing else with your time, think about when you're running your business, when you're traveling as a tourist as well. I mean, this affects everybody, right? It's it's supply and demand. Yeah. Um, think about the risks that might be there for people open your eyes look left look right look up look down um and and think about creatively and positively i think that's also a key message of how you can reduce those risks because every small thing counts and i think that's where a lot of people underestimate stuff as well is that the small steps and the small changes make huge differences in many many cases that you might not see um but you're nodding a lot, right? And and I, and yeah. I see that you're um, agreeing with me on that point, that those those small things can really be a catalyst for massive change. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think as maybe a last statement from my side, it's important to realize every tourism activity has an impact. And it is our responsibility as tourism practitioners to make sure that we have a positive impact. Yeah. And overall, there will be no sustainable development without the respect of human rights. So they have to be at the core. It's not an add-on. It's not a nice to have. It's not a trend. It is necessary for sustainable development in tourism and of course, every other, other sector. I'm going to repeat you again. I sound like a broken record. It is not an add-on. It's not a nice to have. It's not a trend. Thank you very, very much for, you know, for those powerful statements. You've made some really thought-provoking statements. Um, And I think that perhaps for you, it's your daily work, right? But I think for many, many people, and I include myself in this, we don't spend the time thinking about it like that. So for me personally as well, thank you for those statements. Thank you for joining me here. Thank you for opening up about this topic. Thank you for providing the resources, for having this initiative for doing the work that you're doing. And I think the more we can open up this conversation, create awareness, but also get people to join in the debate. So I always make a call out to everyone who's listening, you know, get in touch, drop a comment on you guys on LinkedIn, you guys on social media, we're on Instagram, we're around, you can get hold of us. Um, Tell us what you think. Tell us how you're engaging with the issue of human rights in your business, in your day-to-day life, in your travels. Um, from a tourism perspective 
Um, yeah, that, I, I can I can just agree. <laughs> I, I highly I highly encourage all of you um, check out the website, check out the tools, the guidelines. Um, we also have a resource center with a lot of valid publications on on human rights and tourism. And just get in touch. We're we're here for you. And of course, we also um, warmly welcome new members. Fantastic, Katarina. Thank you. Thank you once again. Very 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 much for joining us today. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you for listening to another episode of Conversations in Tourism. If you enjoyed what you heard, remember to follow us on social media and subscribe so you don't miss out on any future Conversations in Tourism.